Good evening to everyone. So glad that you're here, so that you came out to be with us. You know, it's always comforting when uh, you see the PowerPoint go out, you see one work on it, and you see another work on it, and another and have to come up there and work on it. That's always comforting right before you get up and preach. I thought, if I see Relling get up and come up, I know we're in trouble. But luckily, he didn't have to come straighten everything out. They, they got it worked out. Um, let's look at John chapter 17 for just a moment. In John 17, verses, start at verse 22, it says, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as you, we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now when we think about oneness, and we see that Jesus prayed for unity and oneness, uh, we, we talk about that a lot. Matter of fact, the last time that I, I was up here in the pulpit uh, on Sunday night, we talked about how we as a congregation can do things and, and work together and become closer uh, maybe than we are. And that's most of the time when you think about unity and you think about oneness, that, that's what you think about. You, you think about that working together and striving together. We, we think about Ephesians 4 where it talks about the one body and one baptism and, and endeavoring to work to unity in that bond of peace. You, you think about things like that. Um, but when it really comes down to it, what is it that makes us one church? What is it that makes us one? I mean, we all come from different places around, different kind of backgrounds. Um, how could we possibly be one church? It, it seems almost odd when you think about it. It seems odd to think about how we all come together and become one. Again, we, we think about oneness and we think about working together a, as one. But what is it exactly that makes us one? I mean... Uh, is it uh, just because we're meeting in one building? Is it because we meet right here that makes Center Grove one church? Well, think about it. You remember when you were younger? Well, maybe you didn't do this, but, and maybe I didn't either. Maybe I just seen it done. You ever put a couple of cats in a bag? You may have ever done that? Uh, you can admit it. That's okay. I don't like cats, so I wouldn't mind at all seeing somebody do that. It, it wouldn't bother me a bit. But one thing that I noticed was just because those two cats were in a bag doesn't mean they were one. Now, they did have one thing in common. There was a couple of things that they wanted and that they understood. One, they didn't want to be in there together. And two, they wanted out of that bag. But just because they were in that bag, it didn't make it one. Uh, so what is it exactly that makes a church one? What, what's the difference? What, what is it that makes up? I think the answer to the question may be different than we think about. Because we always think about working together as being one. We think about uh, coming together and, and, and striving to have that unity. But I think maybe we need to realize we're already one. We're, we're, we're one. We already have unity before we even have to work on any of that. Look in Matthew chapter 28 that was just read a few moments ago. In Matthew 28 it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even 
to the end of the age. Um, again, what is it that makes us one? You ever had anybody say something to you? And I have individuals say this a lot. What do you do at your church? You know, what do you do at that, that your church? You, you've heard me say this before and I always answer the same way. I don't have a church. I don't own it. It's not mine. But it, that brings up another question, though. If it's not mine and it's not yours, whose is it? Who owns the church? Who, who owns everything about it? Well, I think that's a question that we need to understand. I think that's a question that we need to answer and realize Jesus does. And there's a reason that he does. There, there's a reason that we're one in Jesus. There's a reason that he owns the church. In fact, there's a sign out front. We have a sign. What is it? Uh, the Church of Christ at Center Grove. Well, what makes us the Church of Christ? What makes us be that? Is it because we meet in this building? Is it this building that's the church that we meet together, that we become one because that's what it says on the sign? Well, the church building... Of course, we understand is not the church, but the church does meet here. It, it, it's actually about ownership. It, it, it should describe. You know, when we use the term Church of Christ, I think we use it so loosely. We, we, we talk about it just like an, another denomination that's out there. Oh, oh, you're a Church of Christ. Oh, you're, you're this. Uh, this person's this. This person's this. And, and you're a Church of Christ. No, it's a descriptive term. I'm, I'm part of the Church of Christ. It's His. It's descriptive. It's His name because it belongs to Him. And if I'm, a, I'm part of that, that makes it one. We're all one because we're part of that church. Before we even work on getting along with each other, yes, the unity needs to stay there and be there. We need to constantly work on that. But I think we need to realize we're one in the very beginning when we talk about being a family. You know, when we're born into a family, that family is one unit because we're part of that family. We have unity, we have oneness just because we're part of that family. And I think for the very beginning, I think that may be why we have so much trouble sometimes of, of understanding working together unity is because we don't understand the unity that we have in the very beginning. The oneness that we have in the very beginning. We are the church of Christ because we belong to Him. It's a mark of ownership. Now, it's our intention, again, to belong to Jesus. And we should always want to have Him in total authority. So the very first thing we need to realize is, the reason that we are one is because all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth uh, Jesus said, all authority is man. He owns the church. There's a reason that he has all authority. And when we recognize that he has all authority, we're all working under that authority. We're all part of that authority. Again, guess what that makes us? That makes us one. That makes us have unity because if nothing else, if we can have disagreements about a lot of different things along the way, one thing that we should always agree on is that Jesus has total authority. And I think the reason we don't have the unity that we uh, need within a congregation, within that body, within that one church that we're a part of, 
is maybe because we don't understand or accept His total authority. Because if we accepted His total authority and realized we're under His total authority, then we'd be doing everything that He says to do, wouldn't we? So we are one because of His authority. That means He has authority over us in our personal lives. He has authority over us in everything that we do. Jesus has all authority. Because no matter where I'm at, whether I'm in this building, whether I'm out of this building, Jesus is still Lord of my life. I'm still part of that one body. I'm still part of that one church. I'm part of that descriptive term, the church of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it, are you? You know, sometimes we have questions sometimes uh, when it comes to the church of Christ. What does the church of Christ believe? Or you think you're the only ones going to heaven? Or you think, I mean, there's a whole long list. And we end up kind of backing up and saying, well, it's this or this. I'm proud to be part of the church of Christ. Because that describes who I am. That describes who's, where my authority lies. It's His. It's not just another name. It's a possessive term. It's an ownership term. It's an authority term. That tells the world and myself that Jesus has total authority in my life. And anyone who believes and follows that way is part of that one church. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We should realize it. Uh, but again, many times it's, it's, it's hard for us to, to realize it. And it's hard for us to accept sometimes because we don't like to think of it in terms of authority. But I think if, you, if, if we take this passage tonight and kind of break it down, we can see that this passage here, if we follow it and accept it, it makes us one. We will have unity before we ever do anything else when it comes to the works of the church itself. Now, how did Jesus get all authority over us? He has authority because, again, He owns us. He bought us. He redeemed us. Let's think about this. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have, you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He said, we're bought at a price. He owns us. Think of it. You are not your own. Someone else owns us now. He bought us. He did something to purchase us. So he has all authority. The scriptures tell us he has all authority. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Again, we were purchased at a price. We, we were redeemed. That's something we all have in common. Before we ever do anything else, when it comes to the works of the church and we get into doing all the things that the church does and working together, before we ever do that, we're one in Christ because we've all been redeemed. We've all been bought. We've all been purchased with a price. And that price was His blood. Every single person that's a Christian has that in common. That makes us one. And we forget that. You know, what, what do we say about our, our physical families? 
Yeah, we may, we may have arguments, we may have all these things, but we're blood. We say that, don't we? We're blood. We're, we're, we're together. We're, we're, we're part of a family here. Well, that's, that's not ever going to change. Now, we may choose to leave that family. We may choose to do a lot of different things, but at the very beginning, we have that in common. We're one. And that's where I think we need to start. On the first day of the week, we, we come together and we take communion. We have the elements up here. We used to have the trays, different trays. Now we've got just the, the little elements. And we, we come together and we take of the bread and we take of the cup to remember something. We come together as one to remember that one thing that we all have in common. And that's that Christ died for us. He was hung on a cross. He shed his blood. He died and was, was buried and then raised again for us. We all have that in common. So we come together to meet in one to remember that. To remember what he did. To remember what we have in common. You know, I've often wondered, you know, why does he have us do that and want us to do that every first day of the week? You know, there's, you think, well, there's some commandments that would get old. And matter of fact, even some places are saying, well, you don't have to do it every first day of the week. You can do it quarterly, once a month, whatever it may be. But I think there's a reason it should be when we come together and meet every first day of the week. So we don't forget that oneness. Because it's so easily to forget. It's so easily to forget that we have that in common. That's our starting place. That's our foundation. That's what we build everything else on. And it's easily forgotten sometimes. In Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which he shed for you. Now think about it. This is what needs to be on our mind. This is what we need to be focusing more. This is the reason we partake of that bread, we partake of that cup, is to think about that individually, what Christ has done for me, right? But just think about it. Each one of us is doing that. Because each one of us has that in common. We're one because of that. You know, I, I don't know how many lessons I've done over, the, over uh, my preaching life I guess and teaching life on working together and, and, and trying, to, trying to help us fix problems that, that individuals have and trying to get us to work through those things and all that I think I've come to the conclusion this is why we haven't we forget this we forget that we're one to begin with we already have a starting place it's not like we're working toward being one we're one and we should work in staying that way We've all done the same thing to be one. And I think we forget that. Again, ever since he rose from the dead, every first day of the week, Christians have taken that communion to remember that. To think about that. To meditate upon that. So our sign out front declares that we're one because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's, it, 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 it's, it, it's all about what he's done for us and what we have in common. Now, 
Let's go a little bit farther. When we were baptized into Christ, we declared that we became one because it's all about Jesus. Look in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into the one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many members. Now here's how this verse is, is normally used, and this is the way that I use it all the time. I think about, okay, we're, we're, we're many members, and we have each member of the body has different functions and part, and how we all need to work together, and that's true. That, that's what it's saying. But we forget about the first part. We were all baptized into one body. Whether Jew or Greek, it's bringing us together as one. We discussed this in class when I was filling in for Titus over there this morning in Philippians 3. Where, where Paul was addressing that, okay, you're trying to bring all your traditions in, you're trying to bring all these things, which circumcised uh, being one of them, where they still trying to teach that you had to be circumcised before you could ever become, become a Christian. And he was describing to them that Jesus has brought all of that to one, that we do one thing so we can have all the, these things in common. And this oneness... Because we've done something. We've obeyed what he said to do. Not added our own traditions, our own thoughts. Take what he did and add what we think we ought to do. I don't have that privilege to do that. I don't own the church. I didn't die for it. I didn't shed my blood for it. He did. So he decides what it is. And this is what it is. God decided that he's going to take his son that died on the cross that to bring everyone together and one. Everyone together in one. That's what he said. Let's go back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. He says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, so we understand that he has authority. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that, again, he's got all authority, and then this is how he's bringing everybody together in one. We all do the same thing. So we have that in common, don't we? Again, there's not a person that's a child of God that hasn't done this. Or they're not a child of God. So I, I can pick anybody out. You can look at me and say, we're one because we have done this. And maybe when we have disagreements that come up, maybe when we have issues that come up, maybe when we have problems that arise, we can stop and think, and, and when we're addressing this, we can say, before we go any further, let's remember we've got this in common. We're one in Christ because of this. That would set the tone for everything that comes after that, wouldn't it? So we all do the same thing. So Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, why would that make us one? Again, how does that do it? We all become one because we enter the kingdom the same way. Through baptism, we're recognizing there's no other way but through Jesus. There's no other door. This is it. We've all realized that we done, have done something 
from our past, no matter what that past was. Now, here's the key, too. Whether we like to admit it, we all have the, our past in common. We all were the same way in our past. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We were all by nature children of wrath. So I can't look at you and say, yeah, we're all one in Christ, but, but I was better than you to begin with because I didn't do... We were all this. We were all children of wrath. We all had that in common. If you look in John chapter 3, verse 18, remember when Jesus, we always want to go to verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We love that verse. But remember what He said in verse 18? He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe, what? Is condemned already. He says, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We were all condemned already. That's why Jesus said, I came to save. I came to teach. I, I came to bring you out of the darkness. I came to bring you light because you all were in the dark. I was in the dark. You were in the dark. We were all condemned. We all didn't deserve life with God everlasting. But he didn't send Jesus because we deserved it. He sent Jesus because he loved us. Because he showed us mercy and grace. And we all have that in common. He did that for all of us. Now, with the Bible saying all of this, look in Colossians 2 and verse 14. It says, Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He's nailed it to the cross. That's what he has done for us. We were dead in our sins. Well, what do you do with dead people? Mike can answer that. Bill can answer that. I can answer that. We work at a funeral home, but everybody can answer that. We know what we do with them. What do you do with dead people? Romans chapter 6 tells us we bury them. Certainly not. How shall we who are died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So you want to know what else we have in common that makes us one? We all have died. We all were buried and we rose again as Christ did to walk in newness of life. We all got a clean slate. I'm glad I did. Are you? I'm glad I've got a clean slate. I, I don't like when I run into people and like one guy told me, I never thought you'd make it see gray hair. I'm not proud of someone telling me that. I don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> I don't think he meant it good. But I'm glad I got a clean slate. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did something. But I had to die to that and rise to walk in newness of life. And I did that through Christ. So he owns me just like he owns you. And we become one. Starting to see a pattern here? It's all about Jesus. That's what we all have in common. 
That's what makes us one. And if we could think on that from the very beginning, then I think the unity of everything else will just fall into place. It's like John was saying this morning about giving. If we just give ourselves first, nothing else would become an issue. It wouldn't matter of, 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 of what I give or don't give. We would recognize it's His anyway. Why? Because He owns us. We're one in Him. And that's what it's uh, all about. So baptism, again, is the recognition that we had to die to our past. We all had to be buried with Christ. Just like the communion, baptism points us to that oneness. And again, we all have... Uh, that in common let's go back to Matthew 28 now and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth so we recognize his authority go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit we all have that in common now notice teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I'm with you always even to the end of the age now Jesus said we should be teaching them to observe all things. How do we do that? How do we learn all things? How are we taught all these things concerning Him? Well, think about it this way. Uh, we sing a children's song sometimes, the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. It's the Bible. It's God's Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. That's, that's what makes us complete. His Word. So if, if we recognize His authority, we recognize what we've done, we're going to follow His authority, and we're going to go to His Word so we can know what that authority is. So he can tell us what we need to do. I want to know how to have unity and working with Mike. All I have to do is go to God's word and he says, here's how you treat him. Here's how you treat this individual. Here's how you treat your family that you have all these things in common with. Don't forget these things that you have in common. You're, you're wanting to focus on some of your differences within the body. Focus on what you have in common. You all have a past. You've all done something to take care of that past. Start there. That's the starting point. And we find that through God's Word, through His teaching. The whole Bible, the, the whole Bible, it, it's all about Jesus. From the very beginning to the very end, it's about Jesus is going to come, Jesus has come, Jesus is going to come again. No matter where you read in the Bible, it's all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's why he said in John 17 and 17, he tells us, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And that word that we find is the Bible. So have you ever thought about unity this way? Have you ever considered the oneness is not about us? It's always been about Jesus. I found a song that... Uh, I've heard, I think I heard Titus read, uh, lead it one time. But it's, uh, don't worry, I see some panic and I'm not going to sing it. Uh, I thought I had it. it. It was about Jesus. And it, it, it talks about who he is and uh, what he has done for us. 
and I, don't, I have no idea where the page is. Let's just look here. Just talk amongst yourself just for a second. Okay, here we go. 889. I had it off by 10. Okay. It says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all of heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. See, when we think about our life as a child of God, and we think about working together, and it, it's difficult at times. Family is difficult. But I think every family has to realize one thing, that we have to start back at the very core, the very foundation, is number one, we're all family. And we all did the same thing to become that family. And having done that, that makes us one. So when, when somebody asked us, do you all have unity there at Center Grove? Yeah, we've had unity from the very beginning. We've always had it, and we always will have it. Well, that would get some big looks, won't it? Well, we almost be perfect there. Yep, we're perfect through Christ. That's what makes us perfect. We've all done the same thing. We've all come from the same place. So that makes us one and we'll always be one. That, that should just make our chest swell up to say that. But that should make every Christian do that. We should all think of it in terms of that. Because we are one. So this lesson tonight wasn't designed to show us and teach us this is how you become one. Hopefully it was designed and hopefully it, it worked okay. I think I lost some of you with the cat thing. Y'all still looking at me pretty ill. But it is what it is. <laughs> but I hope the lesson was to show us we're already one. From the very beginning, we had unity. Because we all did the same thing. So if you're here tonight and you want to be one with everyone here. Remember it's about Jesus. It's about what he did. He came and died for us. So we have to do something. Because of what he did. He said I died for you. Here's how you become part of me. We've got to believe. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to confess that he is the son of God. And be baptized for the remission of those sins. Be buried with him in baptism. To rise and walk in newness of life. So you can do the same thing that everyone else has done. To become one with him. But maybe you're here tonight and you forgot about that. You're struggling. You, you feel separated. Remember, all you have to do is come back. All you have to do is think about that beginning. Think about who you are because of Him. Think about what He's done for you. And come back to Him and, and come back into that relationship that you had from the very beginning. 